Welcome everyone to our evening meditation. As I mentioned last week, we are in the season of Sagak, the season of the hungry ghosts, the liminal period. Tonight what I'd like to do is talk about two things. One, I'd like to talk about, uh, some of you may have seen at the opening of our altar, I'd like to talk about the great Bodhisattva of this period. And at the same time, I want to then connect that great Bodhisattva to the practice of what we might call letting go. And I want to distinguish particularly between the dharmic idea or concept of letting go and uh, the popular sense of letting go that we have, uh, which are very different. So let me first talk about the great Bodhisattva, who is the who is always important to us in our practice, but is one of the great uh, archetype uh, Bodhisattvas, and particularly of this sacred season. And so that figure that you, if you may have noticed when I was opening the space, is known in Japanese as Fudo, F-U-D-O, Fudo, Fudo Myoho, sometimes known as Fudo the Immovable One. Now Fudo is a variation uh, on the archetype which has its origin in Sanskrit with the great Dharmapala, or Dharma protector known as Mahakala. And so there goes by many different names. But this one in particular was a gift from one of my spiritual mentors. Uh, and it actually comes from a temple in Japan. Uh, I haven't had this one dated. My assumption is it is at least several centuries old. It was given as a gift by, as I said, uh, one of the heads of the Tendai Buddhist tradition, Ryokan Ara. It was a gift that I was graced with after he and I had spent time together. So when you look at the character, basically the figure is standing usually either on a rock or sometimes standing in what seemed to be the fiery flames of hell. And in fact, this particular one, you can see uh, both the, uh, the stone or ground that he is standing upon, and then you can see the, the flames all around him, almost providing like a canopy. Those are hellfire and hell flame. And then if you see in his right hand, he has a sword. Now this is the great sword of wisdom. And this is the sword that cuts through delusions. And if you look in his left hand, you will see that he either has a rope or a chain. And this chain is the chain of compassion that binds up delusions, which are then cut through with the sword of wisdom. And if you look at his face, one eye is slightly open, one's closed. He's got some fangs. He's a very colorful figure, <laughs> and uh, he is one of the house, the, the Bodhisattva is one of the houses of Bodhisattvas, so there's different houses and of these Bodhisattva archetypes. 
He is my root bodhisattva. I have a great love for this bodhisattva. And he's a very powerful figure. And part of it is people say, wow, that, that looks kind of scary. You know, that looks a little bit... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, when I did that, it reminded me of uh, Count Floyd from Second City TV, if you guys are old enough to remember that. Ooh, scary, scary even me. Um, which was based on the great Bill, Chili Billy Cardill show. But, you know, it, it is frightening, and it's meant to be frightening. It's meant to be frightening. In uh, some of the temples in Japan, you will find in front of them great figures called Neo. And these figures are there, essentially, to show you that in order for you to enter the realm of oneness, you must confront the shadow. And that's a scary thing to do. Now, Fudo is your protector. Fudo is the protector of all the practitioners. The immovable one. The one who cannot be shaken. And he resides in hell with all those who are damned and is in the process of freeing them. Great Bodhisattva. Now, why did I talk about all that? Well, because these are symbols that we use in our practice to illustrate the strength and the courage that it takes in order to experience liberation. And when we talk about the things in our life that we want to move beyond, or maybe the things that we want to let go of, that we know we can't keep holding on to, laboriously holding on to them, and, and they, they cause so much suffering in our lives. And so, when we invoke Fudo, what we're doing is we are allowing this letting go to actually happen. And how do we do that? Well, I've said this before in different places, but I think it's a very good illustration. For most people, the concept of letting go, if I take my mala and I put it into my fist, for most people, this is what looks clinging looks like. And we hold on to things. Now, for most people, when they have a sense of letting go of something, it looks like that. So that when I let go, I lose it. It's gone. Now the problem with that is that from a dharmic point of view, number one, it's not true. And number two, it's so hard for us to do. There are so many things in our life that we'd be so better off letting go, but we just can't seem to. And we try, but we just can't seem to move beyond it. And that is because we misunderstand it. Now, the Buddhist concept of letting go starts with the same place. It starts with that same clinging, grasping. But letting go this time instead of the fist this way is like this. And this allows everything to be seen, everything to be understood. So when we let go from the Dharmic perspective, we're not dropping anything. 
we're rather opening up to see the fullness and the clarity of the picture. Now, how can I illustrate this? Well, perhaps there's a relationship that I'm involved in, and I see that that relationship is naturally changing. And so I want to hold on to that relationship, and I want it to stay the way that it's always been. But if I do that and I grasp and I'm, you know, clinging to that, then what happens is if I don't allow the other player in this relationship to unfold as they will naturally, then what can happen is, is that there will be a loss, not just a letting go, but a loss. And I may think that I'm holding on to it, but there's nothing there anymore. And so when a relationship goes through natural changes like everything else in the universe we have to learn to flow with that and the way that we can do this is by learning to letting go learning to let go by opening the palm of thought so that we can see everything that's going on and we can examine our thoughts and our beliefs that may be preventing this relationship from moving even to new and deeper levels of intimacy. And that's what's so important, that we learn to let go. But letting go doesn't mean dropping. Letting go means opening the hand of thought so that we can understand the beliefs that may be preventing us from letting that relationship continue. Likewise, if there's something in our lives that we are really trying to get rid of that's unpleasant, let's say it's not a relationship or something that we enjoy, but it's something rather unpleasant that we're trying to remove. And that can seem very difficult at times to get rid of. You know, it's like even when you get rid of something and it's out of sight, sometimes it still stinks. You know? And so how does that work? Well, it's the same thing. Again, there's a grasping going on. And sometimes this can be even a sense of aversion. But again, if we open up the palm of thought, we can see these things clearly. And then we can see what aspects are keeping us from being able to move on. There's a popular idea in Western psychology called closure. And it's the idea that, and I shouldn't just, I shouldn't just blame Western psychology. You find this in other cultures as well. And it's the idea that you got to kind of like, you know, have some sense that everything is done. Uh, when I say other cultures, I can remember, you know, one of the American Indian traditions that when someone dies, you, uh, you bust a hole in the Hogan and you destroy everything. Like it's gone. And I get the uh, inclination that humans have to do these sorts of things. I really do. Um, but the problem with seeking closure is that it's, number one, not always possible. It's not always possible to have closure with things. And number two, I don't think closure is even possible. Closure often is just another form of perfectionism, where I have to have all the little bits sewn up nice and neat 
before I can move on. So what does the Dharma have to teach us about this idea of closure? It teaches us that it's a form of, of perfectionism, that it's a delusion, that it's not about closure, but rather it's learning how to integrate the good, the bad, and the ugly into our lives. And to integrate it in a way that is harmonious for us. So that in the big pie of my life, the ugly is there, but I just give it a little piece. I don't let it take over the entire scene. So, instead of closure, there is integration. And I also think the closure, this idea that everything has to have a certain way of ending, it's not realistic. And part of this comes out of a more linear thinking sort of cultural idea, that uh, very time sort of anchored idea, that here's the beginning, here's the middle, and here's the end. But the reality is there's nothing in the universe that's like this. Nothing. If you just observe our planet, our planet goes through great cycles on a regular basis. And the laws of thermodynamics show us that energy is constantly going through different changes. It may be changing, but it's still the same energy. And even our universe, the latest theories by such great minds as Sir Roger Penrose, seems to indicate that our entire universe was preceded by another universe that went through its own cycle of birth, death, and rebirth. So this idea of this linear time thing it's just not seeing the big picture. And it makes sense, closure, in this way. But when you see things this way, you realize that it's not about closure. It's about integration. It's about allowing whatever that experience was to teach you to become a part of your life, not something that you forget, but something you learn from. And you could say that, especially with bad experiences, it's another way of embracing them so that they don't become part of the shadow. And so, when I am faced with some great challenge and some great change, I look upon the great Bodhisattva, Fudo, I chant his name, which we're going to chant tonight. And I, I hold that sort of wisdom close to my breast, and I know that no matter what I encounter, that with the wisdom of the Dharma and the creativity of compassion, I will be free. So, as you look upon the great Bodhisattva Fudo, remember, all these external images, they are reflections of your true nature, what is already within you, a source of connection, courage, compassion, and creativity.